previously on Funny Science Fiction. I think it's it's only prudent. I mean, I would rather have a self-destruct button and not need it than need one and not have it, right? You can't make, you can't make it a nather without a self-destruct button. How would it even function? Everything's wired through the self-destruct button. Hello and welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Yeah! Where Professor X read our minds and had a mental breakdown. So our guest today is Larry Hankin. Now you, like me, may go, Larry Hankin, I know that name. And then as soon as you saw him, you went, oh, he's that guy. That's right. We're talking to that guy, Larry Hankin, one of the, the premier character actors in Hollywood. You know who he is as soon as you see his face. But the problem is that Larry has been in so many movies and TV shows, he's kind of hard to keep track of. But fortunately, we have IMDb to help us because if it wasn't for IMDb, I don't have enough fingers and toes. I, know who I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have enough fingers and toes, Larry, to count who, who you are. But you've got you've got over 190 acting credits on your resume. That's a busy career, sir. And I guess I, I, I didn't know that until uh, I started doing podcasts. I never, <laughs> I never paid attention to that. I just try to get my next job, man. There you go. Right. Paycheck. Yeah. It's, it's a right race out there. Exactly. You can look back and you're eating. <laughs> just keep going. You did something right. You will recognize Larry from his roles such as Billy Madison, Escape from Alcatraz, Friends, Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, and even Star Trek. Thanks for the being The one here. behind you. That's the one. This guy. That's the one you should recognize me for. <laughs> I love that one. Okay. Sorry. Excuse me. No, no, yeah, you're fine. Thanks for being here, Larry. We truly appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. So, Larry, I think the roles that I knew you best for... Um, were your roles in Escape from Alcatraz and Billy Madison, um, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Your roles all over the years have been kind of all over the map. Uh, and in my opinion, you're, you're not an actor that's been typecast. You have roles in, in, in different personalities, different types, all these different scenarios. So my question for you is right out the gate, the first question for you is, as a character actor who plays all these different characters, all these different roles, how do you get yourself ready for these roles? Do you have a set method of preparation or do you adjust it depending on the requirement of the role? What's preparation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, study the character, learn. No, I come from, I uh, see, I'm not an actor. I mean, I, let's get this straight right in front because just even people don't even know my name. I'm not an actor. I'm a stand-up, social anthropologist. That's what I am. That's what I call myself. Uh, other people call it stand-up comedy. But I started out as a stand-up comedian and I was extremely successful. I mean, I was opening for Miles Davis mm -hmm. and the Kingston Trio. I did the Playboy Clubs. I opened for rock groups, the Blues Project, Love and Spoonful, uh, Ian and Sylvia. Okay, so that's who I am. That's what I do best. I'm a funny guy. I'm that guy, you know, that guy. Mm -hmm. But I can also act in small roles if you don't push me and it's not too hard. So 
And I also am dyslexic, so I can't remember lines very well. So you have to give me the script long before other people so I can learn my lines. And I've always learned my lines, but I need that time. Very important because of this dyslexia. So, um, and then my introduction to acting was through a uh, second city. And the then committee. we started the, 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 and then the committee, we started the yeah. committee. Uh, so improvisation. So that's how I approach anything. That's how I approach my life. You know, okay. hello, bing, go. And I seem to be able to do that. Uh, I, I think it's because of the dyslexia, frankly, uh, because it's more heavily uh, to the artistic side than the reality side, I guess. I don't know what the other side is, but uh <laughs> Uh, I, so I tend to be creative more than uh, normal. And, okay. and so the freedom that dyslexia gives me is the improvisational part. So that's how I approach my roles. I, I, I read it a couple of times, you know, and I see what comes, what, 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 I, what hit I get from the page. And that's what I go with. And then I go in and I audition. And I audition with that. And they either like me or they don't. They either buy it or they don't. And then sometimes doing an audition, I'll say, well, okay, now try it this way. And no. I mean, I, I'll, I'll try it that way, but it looks like I'm trying it that way. Right. It's not acting. It's not it's you. Not, you know, it's a, look, either I come up with it and you buy it or thank you. Very much. Right. Or you don't. <laughs> or, or I don't. And it seems to, to work out because, uh, you know, thank goodness for my dyslexia, it seems to work. You know, I, and, and I depend on the moment. I, I really depend on it because if I study too hard, then it comes out what we call an acting indicating. You, you, right. You know. Okay. And, and that's, that's a no-no. So... So I just wing, I guess that's the word for it. It's uh, acting word, winging right. it. I wing it, all right. So yeah, because now that makes me think, because you, you had mentioned your dyslexia. Now you'd mentioned in a, uh, another interview that I had watched of you, uh, where you're talking about uh, acting as Mr. Heckles um, yeah. And, yeah. and being called back for the fifth time where they, they killed you. Um, and, uh, but you said each time that you were, Mr. Heckles was written by a different writer. So did you wing it five times or did you stay true to who you were in the first one and kind of- Well, if you'll know, uh, okay, to answer your question directly, the reason that they hire writers for, for shows like that, but that was a big time show. And those producers were big time producers, well, not big time producers, but they were, they had their chops, you know, they, they had gotten their bones already by the time they got to writing Friends. So um, they, okay, to ask me the question again, <laughs> um, what was the point of your question? Well, see, you know, when you, you had mentioned that you had, you know, with dyslexia that you kind of- Oh, the five the different writers. The five different well, writers. Well, well, uh, so my, my point about them, the producers, they hire writers who can keep track of a character or, or else you wouldn't be working there. So it wasn't up to me and it wasn't up to them. The writers, no. However, 
interesting fact that I found out later about Mr. Heckles and the writer, because when I was, when I was killed on the show that I was killed, I, I think if I can remember correctly, in the show that I was killed, I was alive in the beginning of the show and then they said, oh, he had a, a heart attack. So then Chandler could move in then on the next show to the, my apartment. So mm -hmm. in one show I was alive and then I died. Okay, in that show, when I arrived, uh, and it was on the script that I had died in, I was really angry about getting cut on the fifth show. Because if you get sixth, the sixth show, you become a regular, or you're named a regular by the right. union, and you get a huge bump in salary. So they killed me right before I got a huge bump in salary, which I don't think was just, you know, I think it was planned, frankly. You know, there was an inside job here. Uh, so it was a hit. <laughs> Basically, it was a hit. And uh, so I was very uh, upset, and I went to the, the writer to find out what had happened. You know, I say, hey man. And I said, who wrote this? You know, and they go, he did. And so I went over to them and I said, hey, you know, what's the deal? Why did, why did you kill me? What's going on, you know? So he said, I didn't kill you. Uh, I'm a new writer. And this is what he told me. And it's true. He said, this is my first job. And when I was hired on Friends, they say, you know, and you sit around and you gather information for a couple of weeks, you know, and, and then they assign you one. And he said, when they assigned me my first ass assignment to write an entire script, an episode, he, I, I said, I don't know what to write. In other words, I, I don't know what you need. And so they say, we don't need anything except what you should do is pick out your favorite um character not not the, the 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 stars but like recurring characters pick out one that you like and write an episode about that character and then they make it makes it much easier for you to choose it makes it much easier for you because there's already something familiar that you like within your assignment so so he said so i chose you because you're my uh, mr heckles because mr heckles is my favorite character so i wrote it and you weren't killed in it. it. You you just moved in next door, you know. He said, but uh, right before we were going to send out the scripts, they came to me and they said, you know, Chandler is leaving, uh, which was already set up in other episodes. Chandler is leaving, but he can't leave the building, or there's no way we can keep him in the show. You know, we've already said he's moving out, but we didn't realize that. Where is he going to go? I mean, if he moves out of the building, then how do we get him back in every show? Every show he's going to visit? No. We have to see so this kill Heckles and give him his apartment. It was just like a hit. It was. So he said, all right, but it's my favorite. He said, well, just kill him and we'll get a Chandler. So that's what he did. He just killed me off. Heart attack. Boom. Out. What if Chandler just moved in with Mr. Heckles? What? Well, no, that, you know, and then it would, it just wouldn't work. I, I don't know. I, I, thank you. You're writing my next show. But, uh, but where were you when I needed you? So you're fired. Okay, that's it. I think I was still in school learning how to write. <laughs> so anyway, that that's how that went for Mr. Heckles. One of the things we try to focus on here uh, in our 
our little podcast is we like to talk about the key word fun. is try we try we try <laughs> we try to focus on things that are funny in the science fiction world now uh although many of the roles that you've had have not been strictly sci-fi um most of what what our watchers may not know is that you have two separate star trek appearances you had one uh next generation episode where you uh, played the character wind dancer who's right behind nick and then there were also three episodes on Voyager where you played Gaunt Gary. So here's our question. Wait a minute, wait a minute. stop, stop. Three? I did three? I only thought that I did one. According to IMDB, you have three. Okay, cool. I just, I'm waiting for the checks, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so somewhere between one and three episodes. <laughs> Potentially two unpaid. So uh, <laughs> it was so nice of you to gift them two episodes, Larry. <laughs> you uh, guys, I did it for you. Well, we appreciate your sacrifice, sir. So what are your recollections of being on the set, if you can recall? And what did you enjoy about being included in the Star Trek universe? Well, I mean, just because it's such an iconic show, just, just to be, I was, there's certain things I'm just flattered just being uh, auditioning for. Just that they even that I'm on their radar is even you know a great thing. Okay. So uh, and there's a seven, and that was one of them. Um, what I remember, you know, what I remember most about being on because I only remember one show, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I only have one reference point. So the one show that I was on, the amazing thing about being on that show was the other sets. They're amazing, man. You know, the the the, the futuristic uh, control room and the other things. And they were, you know, the round doors and the weird. They had constructed these and they were all over the place. And of course, it's only when you, you know, the, the set is only when you the camera is here and you're looking that way. But, you know, then all of a sudden it ends with some wood and then there's a garbage pail <laughs> over there. And then, you know, and then there's, you know, a guy drinking coffee over there. So it's just the two worlds collided. Uh, so that's what I remember. The dissimulation of realities was just amazing. Uh, okay. And then, you know, and then there's the cameras and stuff like that. Uh, on my set, the, the thing was uh, Gaunt Gary. I was, at the time, uh, just a coincidence, I thought I was uh, going to be a great pool hustler. That, that was what I was into. Um, I, I had been doing a lot of shows, so I had a lot of m money. Uh, not really a lot of money, but enough money for a beginner to think I can buy my own put-together pool cue. That's how much money I had. <laughs> Fair enough. And a case. I put a case and a thing. Uh, so, which is a no-no. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do if you're a pool hustler. <laughs> it's like a tell. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm not going to play this guy. He's got his own, what is he? <laughs> Are you kidding? I mean, it's a, you know, you got to, you know, pick one of the, you know, pool cues from the stack and pretend you don't know what the hell you're doing and lose your first two games. <laughs> and then you go in for the kill. So, you know, but what it, what it also is a tell is, because no pool shark would ever do that, is if you walk in with a put together pool cue in a case, you're a fish, you're a target. This guy doesn't know anything. Hey, you wanna play some pool? I don't know anything. And I was being beaten right and left. 
one time, the, the last time I walked into a pool hall with a, a, a pool cue case, I walked in, it was on 8th Avenue in New York City, you know, where you walk down into the pool hall. I mean, that's oh, the right. kind of pool halls I loved hanging out in. Uh, just, just for the vibes, man, and the characters. So I walk in, you know, and I'm ready to play, you know, what the hell. And I, I walk in and uh, the only pool table open, uh, it was at night, the only pool table open was right in front of the cash register, you know, and the guy behind the cash register. So I, you know, I get my, my cue balls, you know, and I get my, uh, that's it, that was in my shoes. <laughs> no, that's bowling. Uh, I get my, my cue balls. And I sit on a table and I open my pool, pool uh, case. And immediately the guy behind the counter, who was an older guy, says, hey, you, come here. So I, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? He's, he says, come here. I go, yeah. He says, I don't want you playing anybody in this pool hall. Why? Because you can't play any of them. What do you mean? You don't know how to play. They'll kill you. You lose all your money. I'm just telling you. Okay? Enough said. And he was right, man. Because I was playing that. And then even if I hid the case, you can see it's a put together. It's an expensive. And guys would just, you know, so I generally go in and just practice is really what I do. And you should see the guys just, uh, this guy, you know, in T-shirts and jeans. and stuff. Hey, you know, you want to play a game? And the guy behind the couch says, not him. <laughs> said, no, no, it's okay. And these guys would just wander around. They would watch for a little while, you know, and then they'd say, hey, you know, want to play a little game? <laughs> the whole evening. I was there for about an hour. I mean, I couldn't put up with that. But, but I, 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 never again did I ever you know, think I was a pool hustler. I mean, because they would let you win the two games, you know, and, and then they wouldn't let you quit. You know, oh, right? yeah, they have you online win, now. You know. Yeah, so, and, and, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why I told that story. I love <laughs> it, though. Interesting. So what, I, okay, so what did you name your pool cue? It had to have a name. No, I wasn't even at that. I, I didn't have it that long. I mean, this was like maybe three months of, of being beaten. And finally, the guy said, all right, that no, don't play anybody in here. So, uh, so, so in three months, you, you never you never had the urge to never named Lucille. it because I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not, not, not Lucille. <laughs> right. I, <laughs> it didn't have any strings. <laughs> so I just thought of a no question. strings on my pool cue. What the hell? What's going on? I just thought of a question. What did they put on your face for the wind dance? Oh, God. I, I It was the worst. They put a rubber thing over my hair, you know, to keep it, you know, around. Okay. And then they just, hours of little squares. It was awful. I hate makeup. I, I don't use makeup at all. I, I won't let anybody put makeup on my face. It's just sticky. Well, and, and I, you're a natural beauty. Yeah. Well, I think of it as character. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>
No, I, I, I really do. Here's what I, I follow about that. Anna Magnani, you know, you, you know, or remember Anna Magnani? Well, when no. she was, you know, and she was a, a great Italian actress, but as she got older and, and every, and as she got older, she got just better and better. She was an incredible uh, Italian actress. But when she was in her, um, I guess in her 60s to 70s, uh, I remember she was doing an interview and uh, she said, well, you know, how did you like uh, working on that uh, movie? And she said, well, the, the, the makeup department, I didn't get along with at all. Uh, and they go, well, well, why? And they said, well, the makeup department was trying to cover over my wrinkles because I'm so old, she said, and I wouldn't let them come near me. Why? She says, listen, I, I, I lived 65 years to get these wrinkles and you're going to cover them up? Not on my life. Love it. I thought that's so cool, man. Love it. Yeah. Solari, you have a book out there and it's entitled The Loopholes Dossier. Yeah. It's exploring the comic of different ways of how different people survive and choose to define the world itself. So what was your favorite part about writing your book? What part about the writing process did you enjoy? Uh, the, well, the best writing, writing it. The, the writing is the whole point, you know, and, and then selling it is the, is a second point. Uh, I, my, my title was not a big seller. I, 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 I didn't know how to, I, there was two things that I missed totally about writing a book. One is you got to get the right name, man. It's a, a really important. I'm not kidding around now. The, the name of your book is so important. Uh, and also, um, well, what, you, what you're writing about and to who, to who you're writing for. In other words, who's going to buy this book? Who is your audience? And I had no audience. So it was just like a shotgun thing. And, and you can't sell a book that, that way. And I had to learn the lessons of the, the, the book market. And I'm only just now, I'm, in, I'm writing another book right now. But now I, I have my, now I know, you know, because everybody wants to write a book, they think, well, you write a book and then you sell it. What's the big deal? N no, it's, and then nothing is like that. I, I'm talking about even digging ditches. Well, you got a shovel and you get some dirt and you dig a hole. No, <laughs> sorry, not right. that way. Yeah, you know, what's cash. the market? Why, well, you know, who are you, is you digging a grave? Are you digging a pothole? What are you digging? You know, it's the whole thing. So I didn't know that, but the best part is the, the first part is uh, seven fables. And I loved writing them because that's just free form fable, modern fables, you know, for, mm -hmm. for, for like college kids and, and above, you know. Uh, so that was fun because it just poured out of my head. Uh, I didn't write them all at once. I just wrote them over a period of time, like when an idea would occur to me and I'd sit down and it'd just come out, you know? Mm -hmm. Then maybe I'd, the next day I'd just tighten it up a little, but that was it. Boom, put it in the stack, month, month later. So that was really fun. The next one, uh, no, then, then the, the last one, there's, it's three parts, three different characters. So that mm -hmm. was the, the fable. Oh, all the fables were about one character and it was his ages, which also was fun for me. There's got to be something in it for the writer besides trying to sell it. You know, you've got to have something to say or, or yeah, you got, you got to have something to say or forget about writing a book. Uh, even if it's a children's book, you know, you know oh, I love mm -hmm. children and I think this is good for them. 
Okay, so uh, the second one was, um, no, then I wrote the third one, the third one second. Uh, and that was uh, the diary, which I think is brilliant, but I don't know, a lot of people don't get it because maybe it's too surreal. But it's the diary of a homeless person. I was homeless for a year. I lived in my car. Uh, so, and I did it, one, because I was evicted, but I, there was an excuse for that. And the other ones, I just wanted to be homeless. You know, what's this like? Uh, I want to see if I could survive. I just want, I mean, you know, survive, you know, uh, as, a, as a curious writer, actor, survival is different from somebody who's just homeless and trying to survive. There is right. a difference. Mm, I was sure. a writer who said, as long as I'm evicted and homeless, let me see how far I can take it. That, that, that was my thing. But I was always making notes and stuff like that. And I saw some very funny things that you just don't see in, in ordinary life. So I wrote about that. I wrote his diary. But the diary was the diary of an old, it's about a 75-year-old, permanently homeless old guy who died on the beach here in Santa Monica, that's where I live, who died on the beach and was found by first two, uh, two uh, seagulls and then by two lifeguards. And he had a girlfriend. And when they went through his stuff, his tent and his knapsack, they found 45 books, uh, uh, notebooks, you know, the crackle covered books that school kids use. Yeah, right, right. Found 45 yeah. of those books that he had been keeping a diary for years. And, you know, because I used to see these guys in New, in New York when I lived in New York, these homeless guys writing in these books all over New York. Because uh, it's different than Santa Monica, which is just you go on the beach and you don't see people but they're on the street. So I would always go up to them and ask them, I'd say, hey, can I read that? And none of them ever would let me read a, a thing. So I said, what the hell are they writing about? And it, it's either just scribbling or it probably is, I mean, what they see from the street point of view would be interesting as a writer, but nobody ever did that. So I decided to write my own. I said, okay, I'm a homeless guy. I was homeless for a year. I know a little about that world. I'm going to write the diary of a 75-year-old guy that died and left me three of his books because I was his friend. Because I do know these guys and girls down at the beach. Right. And he left me three of his books, the last three books that he had written, book 42, 43, and 44, 45, whatever. And so I just uh, transcribed them and put it in my book. So that was it. And I think it's it's really brilliant because it's it's the point of view of a homeless person written from somebody who actually was was homeless and i think it's very funny man because it's a satire right know? okay yeah. so that's the third and then but the middle one is exactly what just happened i wrote a book about the discovery of a presidential uh possibility, presidential running possibility, who runs for the election, wins the election, is despicable, but in a very funny way. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, is, is impeached and then has a life afterwards uh, and 
yeah, that's it. It's it's uh oh, and, but it's written from the point of view of the FBI files on this guy. In other words, every person who runs for president, they have to have a background check. Right. Well, that background check doesn't stop when you're elected. It just goes sub rosa. And uh, I went to the FBI and, and I got the entire loopholes dossier from when he was first chosen to run till uh, the, when they stopped uh, following him. But they did follow him for three years after he left the presidency, after he was hmm. impeached. So I got those and then I just picked highlights of the dossier. So basically it's the loopholes dossier. Gotcha. Of, okay. of President Lupos from the time that he was chosen <laughs> all the way through. And I think it's hysterical, mm -hmm. but that's just me. <laughs> gotcha. uh, so I think it's it's really a cool book. Since we are a sci-fi based show, let's talk uh -oh. a, a quick little bit about sci-fi here. Okay. Now, many of the people that we have on the show have these very deep bases in sci-fi. And we know that, that that's not entirely you. Uh, or they grow up wanting to be in one sci-fi show or another, or there, there's, you know, there's that deep attachment. So for you, is there a sci-fi Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for you, is there a sci-fi universe that you would like to be a part of yet in a movie or one that you haven't acted in yet? Or, or even if it's not one that you don't want to act in, is there a movie or a TV series that's sci-fi based that you like to watch when you kick your feet up? Well, when I kicked up my feet up, I, I, I don't watch science fiction. Isn't it? Um, it's just, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. There's uh, nothing that that attracts me to, to sci-fi. I'm trying to, but the world, I guess, um, because I don't believe, see, I don't, I only believe in dystopias. And, <laughs> okay. and, and, and dystopias are not something you want to live in. No, not so. In other words, the 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 sci-fi sci that I can grok are dystopian. Okay, but I I wouldn't want to live in in that dystopian world. No. Uh, so I I you know I just have no truck with sci-fi. Um, I get I, that. I uh, but I'm trying to really answer your question. Like, if I had to live in a sci-fi world, which one would I? But even if you just had to act in one, you had to, you know, had to act in Well, one. I mean, you know, the beginning, the first three, I guess the first three, not Star Trek. Star Trek, I never, I never bought Star Trek. What the hell is with Star Trek? I never bought that. I didn't believe in the whole thing. It just, uh, you know, I would not suspend my willing disbelief. I'm sorry. Uh, but Larry's uh, my the, people. The, well, what's the, what's the, what's, uh, you know, what's the original, the original uh, science fiction? Well, like Buck Rogers, that was kind of cool. Okay. But, but, but just because it was so silly. All right. know, it's just, you know, you could peel stuff off the walls if you were in that <laughs> thing. Yeah, everything was pasted. Uh, no, I'm trying to think of one. I, I know one. Um, uh, it's the, I can't, no, I guess it is Star Wars. What's the Star Trek is the one I don't know. Star Wars. In the, in the first three Star Treks, uh, Star, Star Wars, the first three Star Wars, yeah, uh, I, could, I could handle that, that reality. I, I could, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, if I was, I could dig it. I like if it. If I was not a thief, or you know, I don't want those <laughs> troopers coming after me, my man. Oh, wait a minute! I got one. I, I got one that you have probably even haven't mentioned at all. Okay. Uh, it was the the one where uh, where the, the world was really fake, and there was a guy on tele. Uh, it was a television world. The Truman Show. The, the what? The Truman Show. The Truman Show. Yeah, the Jim Carrey that, yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I would have liked to be in the in in in, in TV city. <laughs> all in right. TV village. Cool. That yeah, that one. That's the future. All right. So while while I was exploring your website, I came across some of your video shorts, and I didn't get a chance to watch them all. But so far, my favorite is Sally's Diner. Oh, and, every yeah, man, that got an Academy nomination. Yeah. Yeah, and that was I a mistake. Yeah, and I busted up laughing when Jones, I guess his name was Jones or sometimes Jones, yeah. started talking about space bombs. Um, are they oh, be... <laughs> well, that was around <laughs> Star Wars times, I guess. Right, and are there going to be more adventures of sometimes Jones and these space jumps? Well, I was, uh, th I was 30 when I did that, so I don't think, uh, but yes, <laughs> as a matter of fact, that's a valid question and I'll give you a valid answer. Yes, and if you look at, uh, so you know where to go, uh, it's on either Vimeo or therealarryhankin.com. But uh, the outlaw Emmett Demas. Okay. Did you did you watch any of those? I, I started watching, like I came, I watched one of those. Okay, that yeah. guy, the outlaw Emmett Demas. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes Jones, that's, Sometimes Jones at 65. Okay. Uh, really? I mean, I, I'm not making okay. that up. Uh, it was in my mind, what happened to that guy? And so he became uh, the outlaw Emmett Demas. Gotcha. Yeah. Watch, watch that. So uh, I just wrote a movie about it, a feature length movie, but I'm I, actually, I'm too old to do it now, but some, I, I'm trying to get a star to do it, you know? There you go. Uh, uh, the outlaw Emmett Demas. Uh, but, um, I also wrote a TV sitcom based on Sometimes Jones, the 30-year-old, which obviously I can't play. But uh, I also raised him to 65. And so there's an episodic about Sometimes Jones and he, because he remained homeless. <laughs> well, it's, right. like, it's like Barnum Justice, who is the, the hero of uh the uh my book the 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 homeless guy who died and left me the books his name was uh barnum justice mm -hmm. uh sometimes jones i guess he split uh one was he became a motorcycle outlaw and that was emma demas and the other one he became a homeless guy on the beach and that was barnum justice and that was in my book so he did become, both of them are homeless and one is a wanderer and, and one is a, an urban outcast. Well, Larry, we've gotten to that point in time in our show where- No, I'm not going, no. <laughs> oh, we're not, we're not through with you yet. We're not through with you yet. We still have to play a quiz. We got to add- Oh, all right. Oh my God, the quiz. So here's, oh, here's, here's the quiz, tension. Larry. I got a tension headache. Uh. <laughs> Can I go home now? Well, well <laughs> go unfortunately, ahead. I think you're already home, so. Oh, um, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. Nailed. So here's the deal. We've got five questions for you, okay? okay. 
Okay. If you get three of them right, we're going to send you a copy of our red, I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans coffee mug, which also has our wow. lovely Funny Science Fiction podcast logo on the back. What's side. the F for? Fund. Red Shirts, Widows and Orphans Fund. Oh, fun. Okay, cool. That's yeah, okay. the, uh, it ties back into. The oh, this is for, this is for orphans. And so, oh my God. Oh, the tension headache is. All right. I got to win. This. Well, it, it's for. I uh, got to win this. Um, fictional orphans and widows. So you're also. Well, fictionally, I yes. have to win this. Fictionally, yes. And then if you get uh, four, right? Four or more, we're going to yeah. give you a copy of that book that we showed you in the pre show. My uh, book, Drayton. you're going to give me a copy. No, we're going to give you a copy book. of uh, Drayton Allen's book, Custodians oh, of the Cosmos. Oh, okay, that's great. Man. Which is where the Red Shirts, Widows, and Orphans Fund uh, comes See, that's from. a great title. That is a great title. Okay. So, All right. so and if you get less than three, uh -oh. of course, there has oh, to be a punishment. God. Oh, no, you're not going to dump me in the water. You're well, not, not from here, no. Um, we'll have a, we'll a drive-by watering. No, uh, <laughs> if... Uh, if you get less than three, we take a picture of you and we post it on our website with a funny title. Oh, God, a loser. <laughs> our last loser. That'd be funny if you only posted the loser. Our last loser of the week was Larry Hankin. Oh, well, my God. Okay. So far, we've only had one person fail the, fail the quiz. I think okay. Frank tanked it on purpose. I still, I still say that. Um, oh, wow. Because I think he wanted the memes when he giggled. Oh, a little, oh, yeah. Frank giggled a little too much when we said that we were going to make a meme out of him. So, oh, okay. um, but anyway, yeah, so but that was a great idea. He's a smart cookie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So three three questions right, you get the mug. Four questions right, you get the mug and the book. Uh, less than three questions right, we we make a meme out of you. Do you what if agree? I get five right. Hold it, hold it. What if, if I you get, get five? You, right? If you get five right, you get our eternal respect. Oh, and the mug in the book. Oh, great respect! <laughs> respect. Nobody wants respect. Try to get you down well, the gasoline with respect. There you go. So, all right. So, you, okay. are we good with that? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. All right, Nick, start us up. In which year did Friends first start? Oh. Was it 1994, 1993, or 1990. 1994, 93, or 95? 93. It was 94. Very close. All right, I don't want to play this game anymore. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is a stupid game. This is really stupid. And would you look right, at the time? Let's We're get done. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm I'm back. I'm back. Let, let's try. I, I can. I still got four more shots. Let's go. All right. Which animated TV series? is famous for its opening credits couch gag. Is it Looney Tunes, Futurama, or The Simpsons? What was the title, couch gag? The, the, where they all come in and sit on the couch. It's called the opening credits couch gag. Okay. Which animated TV series is famous for its opening credits couch gag? Is it Futurama, Looney Tunes, or The Simpsons? The middle one. The second one. Close. They're both written by Matt Groening. So uh, it is The Simpsons, not Futurama. Okay, so now I got to get three right. <laughs> All right. 
I don't watch television, by the way. I, I that counts. Well, that's information we could have used yesterday. Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, if you got questions about Nova, all right. <laughs> I mean, you know, flying cartoons. Okay, go ahead. Hit, hit me with your best shot. Come on. Bring it all up. Right. Let's go. What 90s show about the unknown featured the characters Moldau? Mulder and Scully. Okay. Well, say, oh, say say that again. Uh, just can ask me the question again. What '90s show about the unknown featured the characters Mulder and Scully? Was it Law and Order, The Rockford Files, or X Files? X Files. X Files. Yes. Absolutely. Thank God, man. <laughs> You're off the Schneid. All right. <laughs> All right, so this show exploded the career of George Clooney in 1994. Was it Boy Meets World, Family Ties, or ER? ER. ER. Yes. Er. Do I have one more? You have one more. Oh, God, this is it, man. Oh, a meme for the rest of my life. Or comic books and prizes galore. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> You broke Tim. <laughs> he moved from Boston to where everyone knew his name to Seattle to be a radio personality. Was it Tim Taylor, Frazier Crane, or Sam Malone? You can use a phone call if you wish. Frazier. Was you Frazier. are correct. <laughs> All right, sir. That wins you the coffee. God. Oh, the headache is gone. We're gonna and we're gonna send you a coffee mug that looks like this, but with oh boy, man, but without anybody's lips on it. It's gonna be untouched <laughs> by human lips. Oh, great! And COVID, great, fantastic. Oh, yeah, it'll be COVID free as far as we can tell. Okay. So, Larry, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people go to find out more about your book and other works that you've done? Uh, TheRealLarryHankin.com is my website, and then uh, Facebook. You know, just mention uh, the show and say hey how you doing you know all right but uh, my, my art see those two those are my art I, I i do art so those arts are there i got t-shirts i got face masks i got books <laughs> i got videos yeah it's wonderful it's a wonderful and we will be sure to place those in our description so people can find you and all of your other works so remember kids that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Larry here to have funny moments to laugh with and listen to. Now, please subscribe to respect. our show. Respect. That's right. And please go respect Larry's work at therealllarryhankin.com. And remember, if you're not happy with the content of our videos, well, then we're just going to borrow Dr. Doofenshmirtz's Redo It Anator that's going to allow you to rewatch the episode, but to see the good parts because twice as nice, or at least that's what we've been told. Thanks well, again, thanks Larry. Again, we Larry. Really appreciate you being on the show. Bye. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. Imagine the comfort you'll give the Red Shirt crewman number 72. You'll know that when he puts on that red shirt and drowns in a mud bath at the Parallax Colony on Sherlea 6, 17 minutes into episode 20, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope. Because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has it back and the edible cup he ate out of. 
On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.